Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast. Hi, this is the Marketing Connect Podcast, a show where we get up close and personal with some of the most celebrated marketeers in the country. We talk to them and discover the art and science of marketing. After all, we are a show for marketeers by marketeers. Listen in. Today's guest, ladies and gents, is Prasoon Kumar. He is the marketing lead at magicbricks.com. Let's join him as he talks to us about his long and illustrious career. And along the way, we'd ask him, what does he do at magicbricks.com on a day-to-day basis? Listen in. Hi, everyone. This is Prasoon Kumar here. I am Chief Marketing Officer at magicbricks.com presently and a career marketeer. I look forward to sharing lots of interesting stories and tips with you. I hope it will be useful for all of you. Thank you, Prasoon. We are so glad you could take out the time and give us, uh, you know, your time and give us valuable inputs. Uh, the first question, Prasoon, that I have for every guest is, uh, if you can take us through your journey, you know, from the time you pass out of, say, a B school till the time where you are. So just take us in a chronological journey uh, from that place, from the time. All right. Uh, quite a uh, interesting and a, a roller coaster journey I have had. Uh, so I passed out uh, from B school in 1998 and... Uh, I had uh, two options uh, in my hand. Either I could have joined a traditional FMCG organization uh, in in sales, or I could have got into uh, advertising. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was doing my MBA, uh, advertising was something that had fascinated me to no end. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was something that I definitely wanted to try at least once in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, why not start with it itself? Let Mm -hmm. me jump into the uh, river and learn to swim. And figure out, uh, you know, what this is all about and all the great stories over a period of time uh, and during the MBA days that one had been hearing, uh, all the great case studies, uh, the passion for building a brand and great advertising, uh, you know, all of that uh, was so lucrative uh, mm-hmm. uh, on my young mind and had left a massive imprint. I decided to uh, jump into advertising. So uh, I got into advertising and uh, for the first eight years of my career, uh, I was in advertising. Now, it has been quite interesting that uh, every time I have uh, made a progress or a progression in my career, I have been very, very fortunate to have been able to experience all sides of the uh, spectrum. And so was the case in advertising as well. When I, you know, joined, it was, uh, you know, just getting debundled as in as a full service agency as yeah. uh, you know a lot of my young friends may not know but advertising in good old days was one single uh, service provided by a company and uh, creative media uh, research uh, and all other kind of services that uh, you know agencies used to provide was used to be provided under one roof uh, mm-hmm. but then uh, sometimes around early or mid 90s after liberalization had happened the debundling of services started and advertising also started getting debundled and media uh, became a specialized function and we had independent media agencies which started operating. You know, creative uh, remained a separate function and we had separate creative agencies. Some of the, uh, you know, agencies uh, branched out uh, as uh, direct marketing agencies, you know, uh, other specialized services. Yeah. Uh, so I was very, very fortunate in the first eight years of my career, I experienced uh, you know, all these different uh, spectrums of uh, that advertising had to offer. So, uh, very, very good experience at McCann Erickson, which was uh, the world's one of the largest uh, advertising conglomerate. 
and uh, at Madison, which is India's largest uh, uh, communication yeah. company. Yeah. And uh, worked on a variety of uh, categories and brands. Very, you know, very, very good experience on a lot of kick brands. Uh, you know, uh, worked on FMCG, uh, you know, where I was working on Record Bank is a, so worked on brands like Detol and, you know, other brands that uh, uh, Rekids had. Uh, worked on uh, Grassim, Graviera, General Motors, Gillette, fashion apparel brands, uh, you know, which was Madura Garments at that point of time. Yeah. Brands like Peter England, Louis Philip, Van Hussen, Ellen Solly and all. So very, very, uh, you know, exciting days. Lots of learning. Uh, learn all the fundamentals over there. Uh, how to think of a consumer. How to keep consumer at the center of everything that you do. Uh, how to uh, develop a, a, a discipline and habit of uh, uh, looking at data and uh, letting uh, data drive your uh, uh, inputs and decisions and not one night uh, fancy thinking <laughs> learn to uh, you know put rigor into all the work uh, that goes in learn to burn midnight candles over there so uh, advertising uh, is really a place uh, which in a way prepares you uh, for any kind of challenge that might come in your way uh, because it's such a high pressure uh, environment that you operate in you are always running against deadlines always have last minute changes you always have that last thing to look after and seeing to it that a lot of things that you're doing is not uh, is not going in wrong direction and everything has been tick mark and so on and so forth. So it, it really gives you an eye for detail. It really uh, prepares you for managing uh, last minute deadlines. It, it prepares you to work in a very, very high pressure cooker environment. Uh, it prepares you to really be humble because being on the service side of the business, uh, you are always at the mercy of your client. And, uh, you know, uh, you have to uh, therefore be always prepared uh, you know, you have to be nimble uh, to uh, be able to take all kind of criticisms and point of views uh, in your stride. At the same point of time, you have to have uh, the quality of being able to put your thoughts across and, and to sell the product that you have in your hand. So uh, it, it kind of prepares you. It makes you an all-rounder. And that's what advertising did to me. And a very, very exciting day as McCann initially. And then I moved on to Madison. Madison was a full service uh, media agency. So, you know, after seeing the, the uh, service, servicing and the other side of business, I got into pure play media. And uh, at Madison, uh, I worked on two big automobile accounts. One was Hyundai and second was General Motors. Uh, and then after Madison, uh, I uh, uh, got opportunity to get onto the business uh, side of things. And so I made a move. I joined Levi's. Uh, Levi's is world's uh, leading denim brand, as all of you might be knowing. So I joined Levi Strauss uh, in Bangalore. And, uh, you know, very, very exciting journey over there. Levi's as a company was going through transformation. And uh, it was trying to change its skin for being a product company to a retail company. Uh, okay. You know, uh, it wanted to uh, move away from just being a supplier of denims to large retailers to becoming a retailer by itself. And so, you know, the time that I spent at Levi's was full of exciting store opening. You know, we opened close to about 200 odd stores in a very, very short period of time and driving footfalls to those stores, looking at consumers upright, uh, close, uh, seeing to it how uh, product assortments are uh, uh, working and, you know, uh, what are the things uh, that a consumer is getting attracted to and so on and so forth. So a uh, lot of exciting things done at Levi's. Levi's is also, as all of you know, is a... Is a is a sexy brand to work on. 
and uh, you know uh, from a purely from a brand marketing point of view that was a kick because uh, you could do a lot of edgy stuff uh, with yeah. brand and and targeting youth and and so uh, you know very very interesting thing mm-hmm. now uh, levis was a great journey at that point of time obviously telecom was booming in india uh, those were the good old days of uh, you know telecom uh, you know service expansion and uh, you know uh, mega uh, budget marketing and advertising and everything else in telecom yeah. And uh, we had lots of new players entering uh, the market, and India yeah. was becoming one of the most hotly contested uh, uh, telecom market in the world. And yeah. Telecom also provided one thing that I had missed uh, till then in my career, which was right. uh, ability to manage scale of operations. Got uh, yeah. And uh, that was one of the biggest draw uh, for me to get into telecom after that. And, right. and uh, uh, I I got into MTS, and that was a uh, a double. Uh, uh, sort of uh, benefit for me because not only i was uh, looking at uh, uh, managing scale and building scale i had joined a greenfield operation so mps uh, you know whose parent company was sistema uh, of russia sistema had entered indian market in partnership with sham telecom in india and yeah. there was a time when lots of uh, you know operators had entered including etisalat and telenor and all those kind of things yeah 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 and yeah. Uh, and uh, the job was to launch the brand in india Uh, so here i was getting an opportunity after 10 odd years in my career uh, to actually work from scratch build a brand and launch it and scale it up and uh, you know for any marketer uh, that's a never to be missed opportunity i was very very lucky to have got that opportunity uh, I, when i joined that company i was about seventh or eighth employee uh, mm. employee to join that company and uh, uh, and when i left that company we were about 5000 strong and uh, and uh, we had launched our services in about 15 uh, circles or state of india and we had uh, you know more than 10 million consumers mm-hmm. so uh, mts was a complete transformation for me as a professional uh, mm-hmm. because uh, it gave me an ability to look at business very very up close mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, at mts as a marketer right from designing the first visiting card of the ceo of the company scaling it up and making it a pan india operator uh, launching multiple million dollar campaigns and everything uh, i was at the helm of all of it good. and uh, so it was that's a good one sorry i'm just interrupting you that's a good one that, you know from designing the visiting card to actually launching a multi million dollar campaign so that's a very you know wide uh, you know range of work you've done at mts obviously so that's very cool yes i i i was lucky enough there and uh, and uh, you know it was transformative for me because uh, uh, i was not boxed for a moment you know when you are in advertising you are looking at business from a certain perspective and, and communication is what is in your mind and consumers and brands are, are what is in your mind you are not bothered about uh, you know or you are not really looking deep into other aspects of business mm-hmm. uh, levis i did have that opportunity but uh, you know my my area of operation was slightly different and so i had uh, limited exposure but at uh, mts i looked at everything very very closely and very very minutely uh, and uh, you know uh, at one point of time uh, you know telecom operators used to have these stores for recharges and all is this retail has a store and geo stores and etc yeah yeah at one point of time you know those stores that mts was opening was also under me as a business unit and i you know my retail experience as levi at levi's had come in handy uh, i was designing and and uh, you know operating those stores and so very very diversified experience at mts i built the you know i i got my real digital transformation at mts 
because those were the days it was you know uh, early 2007 2008 2008 onwards uh, you know those were the days when internet was just about kind of taking off in india and those were the days of not uh, facebook but those were the days of orkut yeah and I, I, yeah and i don't know how many of uh, my young friends would know orkut but uh, it was the first social networking you know platform that had come in our life and uh, uh, so in those days i i i got the exposure and opportunity to build a website so the ts website was completely built by me uh, from scratch and huge amount of learning there because that was a new thing for me uh, to learn and and uh, you know did that got into social media marketing big time over there uh, you know kick started a lot of stuff uh, uh, you know uh, got into payment gateway integrations and whole lot of other stuff uh, you know uh, when it comes to digital so mts mm-hmm. gave me scale mts gave me a, a, a greenfield uh, you know work uh, experience mts gave me my first career brand launch experience uh, mts gave me my first digital uh, learning experience so i had lots of first attempts hmm, so, so that was enriching so uh, you know as i told you in the beginning uh, uh, i i have been lucky lucky enough to uh, get all sides of experiences whichever industry i have got into and same thing happened to me at uh, with with telecom as well hmm. when i got into telecom you know telecom typically has two sides of business one is the operator or service provider side Mm-hmm. that is the equipment manufacturer or the device or the oem side right mm-hmm. uh, where a lot of smartphone brands and smartphone players operate okay uh, now i uh, got an opportunity to get on to the other see the other side of the business and okay. mts was a cdma operation uh, you mm-hmm. know uh, the, the telecom operators are of two types gsm service providers and cdma service providers these are yeah. two different distinct technology platforms now cdma as a technology uh, platform used to have a concept called bundled handset right so you were not only buying a sim or a sim connection you used to buy the entire package including a handset okay yeah yeah, uh, yeah. now uh, so uh, i that was happening in mts though it was not directly under my preview but i had an indirect experience of that mm-hmm. i i moved on to a a, a smartphone a smartphone brand from mts and uh, i joined sony Okay. and uh, uh sony uh, when i joined it was a joint venture between sony and ericsson and we used to sell as sony ericsson and the sony ericsson uh, phones uh, in the feature phone era before smartphones had happened uh, was uh, the number 2 uh, brand in the con- country after nokia wow yeah. it was a large brand uh, but uh, by the time i had joined it uh, you know there, there was this wave of smartphones that had entered Yeah. and uh, samsung had already launched its galaxy series of smartphones and all those kind of things mm-hmm. and uh, when i joined sony ericsson i joined with a mandate of uh, launching and building the smartphone business mm-hmm. and so i joined sony and uh, i launched the xperia range of smartphones in india wow and okay. sony xperia was this was my second launch experience and sony xperia uh, 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 business was launched we launched that brand and uh, we launched you know many handset uh, propositions uh, many smartphone propositions uh, un- under that and uh, sony was also a, a very enriching experience because again uh, there was a first in my career that i experienced which was mna which was mergers and acquisitions yeah now ericsson decided to sell its uh, uh, part of the stake to sony and we became a 100% subsidiary of sony uh, and sony already had a different business in the operating which was sony electronics uh where okay. selling the bravia television and the yeah. uh, the 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 uh, laptops and everything else yeah 
so our decision was to merge with Sony and we went through that entire process. So as a business professional, I got that learning uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, seeing up close and front uh, a merger and acquisition activity and what goes on and how it happens and so on and so forth. So that was a, you know, a very, very enriching experience again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, uh, after merger, uh, you know, uh, Sony uh, had uh, a, a kind of a change in the strategy and the focus was in a way shifting away from uh, emerging markets like India to more uh, established markets like Europe and US and all, uh, where okay. there were more margins and all. So globally, there was a shift. And uh, so I decided to, uh, you know, join, uh, uh, go get back onto the operator side of the business. And okay. uh, that's when Reliance happened to me. Mm-hmm. And Reliance Communication was, uh, you know, the third largest uh, operator in the country uh, with mm-hmm. more than 100 million subscribers. And I joined uh, uh, Reliance as uh, uh, CMO uh, uh, back uh, around 2012. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Reliance uh, was, again, uh, a bit of a roller coaster ride because uh, uh, while this was a very, very strong brand, it, the brand had all the scale and uh, uh, you know, huge top lines uh, going for it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was facing uh, severe uh, challenges in the market because uh, uh, Airtel, Vodafone and Idea uh, were uh, stealing a lot of market share away uh, because Reliance was a little late in getting onto GSM as a uh, platform. And country, India as a country had moved to GSM as technology and Reliance was a CDMA technology provider initially. When it was launched initially by uh, Dhirubai, during Dhirubhai Ambani days as uh, Reliance uh, and and because uh, you know the brand was late, uh, uh, you know we uh, we had uh, severe challenges in terms of uh, keeping up with competition, and and that was uh, uh, really the uh, challenge up there. Uh, so I I had uh, you know some uh, interesting roller coaster ride over there, some good, some bad, uh, some memorable, some not so memorable, and uh, uh, and uh, so uh, so that's how the Reliance story continued. So uh, when it was going on. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I was already looking beyond telecom because telecom in India had started to struggle in a way. Uh, because, uh, we had uh, uh, a lot of controversy related to the 2G uh, uh, wavelength uh, allocation that had happened yeah. Uh, yeah. at that point of time. And Supreme Court had decided to cancel all the licenses for a lot yeah. of players, uh, you know, uh, who had come in uh, new in India and all. So uh, uh, there was an absolute chaos and, uh, you know, uh, uh, difficult times that the industry was going through mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know internet uh, was emerging as a sunshine industry uh, yeah. because of uh, you know uh, the increasing internet penetration and also yeah. a lot of smartphone adoption mm-hmm. so uh, i decided to look at uh, you know internet as my next destination uh, to mm-hmm. do some interesting work and uh, that's when i hit upon uh, magic Okay. And uh, Magic Mix uh, was an extremely exciting opportunity because uh, real estate, uh, you know, not a lot of people know real estate and construction contributes to about 7% of India's GDP. And it's wow. a massive industry. And okay. it is one of the largest employers of informal labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and uh, uh, just aggregating uh, this industry, structuring this industry, uh, bringing all elements together onto a platform. Uh, mm-hmm. Itself uh, uh, was a you know massive task, and Magicix has had been one of the pioneers uh, mm-hmm. in the in the industry, and uh, it was the leading uh, uh, aggregator of uh, demand and supply in, in real estate, and uh, you know there was uh, you know much growth uh, uh, in in front uh, you know for the industry, 
So matching is an opportunity was uh, an absolute uh, again kickass opportunity coming my way, and, wow. and uh, so I'm here. It's been four years with Magic Bricks now, and mm-hmm. we've done some very very exciting work. So as you see, uh, my career has uh, moved from uh, uh, being a service provider to being a service seeker, uh, from advertising onto the client side. Uh, you know, uh, and and uh, you know, whenever I have been doing things, I have been lucky enough to get opportunity uh, to see all sides of businesses and the variety mm-hmm. of things. So all these things have enriched my experiences. Did a lot of things, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, during the course of the discussion today, I'll be happy to share some lovely examples from there. Wow! So what a journey. I mean, I have like some twenty questions from this journey itself, which are not plan of my, you know, which I didn't plan to ask. I'm going to ask a couple of questions which I'm super curious about. Mm-hmm. So one uh, from your MTS days, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the logo and the design language of MTS was super unconventional, right? Everybody went for flashy, large, you know, deep, meaningful things. And from what I recall, MTS was just, I think, a white uh, oval shape in a red box. If I'm not am I wrong, right about this? Absolutely, your memory is serving you absolutely right. I, I think it's the age. I think I think it's the age because I saw those stores. Uh, next to my place as well. So, how did that decision, you know, came out? Because that looks very, very unconventional, right? I mean, nobody will even sign up for that. How did you, uh, you know, sign up for that? What was the thought process? Okay, so uh, you know, lots of stories there. Uh, you know, for want of want of time, I probably would share a few. Yeah. Uh, see, uh, MTS was a very, very unique challenge because uh, you know, while it was a greenfield operation in India. Mm-hmm. It was already the largest network of uh, erstwhile uh, Russia and CSS, uh, CIS countries and Eastern European countries. Okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, when it came to India, it already was a big uh, service, uh, you know, or telecom operator in uh, that part of the world. Okay. Okay. And okay. it already had its own identity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Including logo units and color schemes and, oh, and everything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when it came to India. It came to India as a 14th player. Okay, we yeah. were the 14th player to enter that market. Yeah. And uh, the w- one of the first challenges that I had to uh, think about was uh-huh. uh, the brand personality uh, was of a leader because yeah. it was a leader in the market that it was operating in. And okay. here you are entering as a challenger. Mm-hmm. How do you make a balance between the two? Okay. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, those who understand brand and brand marketing, the brand mm-hmm. architecture and architecture so you know uh, people who understand brand marketing and uh, you know uh, uh, branding concepts yeah. uh, you know uh, archetype model of uh, building a brand such yeah. that if you have a certain archetype as a leader okay mm-hmm. that archetype uh, you know is is kind of rigidly defined and mm-hmm. you know uh, your personality uh, mm-hmm. does not change as a brand right and you remain within that personality okay yeah so yeah. there was a uh, if there was a leader archetype uh, uh, personality that uh, the brand had in the markets that it was operating in how do you launch that in india because we already had the big daddies of airtel vodas ideas of the world here and so on and so forth right yeah and so you couldn't behave like a leader because you were not a leader okay mm-hmm. now that was the first major work i had to do where i had to redefine the entire brand architecture i had to redefine the brand tonality i had to mm-hmm. work on a lot of things I put that logo. You mentioned about that logo. Uh, uh, there's a very interesting story up there. You know that logo. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, was a red box, and inside yeah. the red box there was an oval shape, white shape, oval shape. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I put that logo to te- consumer testing in India. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, while there were not too many gross negatives against that, 
Mm-hmm. Interesting thing that were coming out is a lot of consumers, especially in uh, some part of the country, mm-hmm. uh, objected to that logo, saying okay. that this is looking like an egg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are a vegetarian country. <laughs> this will never be accepted. Okay. And there was a red box around it, so that could be non-vegetarian baked egg. Also, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so lots of interesting anecdotes there, nice. and huge amount of uh, uh, debates used to happen internally. Uh, yeah. is, is that the unit that one is to go ahead with, or should we craft something else? In fact, we actually designed a lot of uh, other variations. Oh, and, nice. Uh, we put all of that to consumer testing, and but, uh, yeah. So, and, but the but the funny thing is, you know, I am from that generation when we had these fourteen, fifteen players. I mean, I remember every real estate company would suddenly go buy the license and create a telecom operator of their own, right? I mean, th- those were the days. Now I do not recall a single logo. I mean, apart from Airtel, Vodafone, you know, uh, the big ones. I don't recall any other logo but that uh, you know red box because because that's so distinct and so you know how do I explain this? Like it just sticks, man. Like it was it was a super uh, attempt. I do not know what it did to the brand. No, you absolutely got that. And that was the reason, Saurabh, that uh, it was actually launched. Right. Uh, we ultimately figured out that the logo was such so distinctive. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, unlike anything else in the market. Yeah, so yeah. you know, if we wanted to really, and and for a fourteenth player in a cluttered environment, the last thing and being a red color brand, where all yeah. you already had Airtel, Voda, which were red color brands. Yeah, okay, yeah. The last thing you would have wanted is to look like them. Yeah, uh, and and not to have uh, your own distinct memorable structures. Okay, gotcha. and yeah. and that's what that was one of the major reasons why I decided to launch that uh, launch gotcha. that logo. And uh, yeah, so so that's that's the story behind that logo, you know, that you asked. So a lot of my listeners, Prasoon, are people who are about, you know, middle level managers in the marketing roles. And they often wonder that, you know, if what do I do so that tomorrow in three, four, five, ten years that I become a CMO. So uh, if you were to give some dope or some, you know, insights to those people, what would be those few things that you think you did differently uh, to have raised, you know, reached a CMO level? Well, that's a very good question, Saurabh. Uh, I'll I'll try to uh, answer this question by giving you a few examples from my own career. Absolutely. Listen, when I was in MTS, I was about 10 years in my career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was at that mid-senior, you know, kind of a level. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very, very eager to, uh, you know, make my strides into senior management yeah. and, and grow. Now, one of the things that I uh, obviously learned uh, and and uh, would want to share with uh, uh, your listeners is uh, 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 one thing that you must learn uh, as you grow uh, into a senior role is to look at your uh, business, your output, your function, your strengths, your talent uh, uh, in a very dispassionate way. Uh, because what happens is when you're growing up in your career, you are largely uh, you know, becoming a functional specialist. Okay, yeah. but as you grow further, uh, the demand is to uh, grow from being a f- specialist to a generalist, mm-hmm. and you have to look at multiple other aspects of business as such as well. And at the least, at the very least, you got to appreciate other aspects of business as well. Okay, mm-hmm. and this is one of the first things that you need to be uh, learning. You need to become dispassionate about your own function, your own uh, inputs per se. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and and uh, you know, for example. Uh, you know, at MTS, when I was launching it, uh, mm-hmm. we were spending about, you know, what, uh, 10, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, two, three million dollars every month 
you know 10 million crores worth of uh, marketing uh, money every month uh, yeah. in launching the brand and so on and so forth mm-hmm. after about an year of uh, doing all the activity year and a half of doing that all that all that activity mm-hmm. uh, one moved into a uh, you know uh, uh, stability phase okay? yeah so uh, and and that's where a lot of maturity needed to seep in Right. So when you are launching, you are in a different mode. You are always operating on the fifth gear. You know, you are always in an action mode. Uh, you know, you are almost most of the times you are acting before thinking. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you are you are kind of uh, you know uh, in a in a uh, you have you become a go getter professional. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the stabilizing part of the business, when you have to uh, you know run a uh, you know uh, and when you have to manage a running business, okay, mm-hmm. and grow from there. The challenges of businesses are very, very different. Okay. And the skill sets that it demands from you as a professional is very different. So when you're moving from a mid-senior to a senior profile, this is one of the things that will come your way, where you will have to change your skin and you will have to uh, become far more steady in terms of, uh, you know, your business thinking, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, your your contribution, in terms of how you see things, uh, mm-hmm. because your outlook needs to become a little more long-term. Uh, and your outlook needs to, uh, you know, uh, become a little more outside in than, than inside out. And so these are some of the, you know, changes that uh, one experiences when one, as one grows up uh, in career. And this is one of the things that uh, uh, probably a lot of my friends would also experience as they uh, move up the ladder. Uh, and uh, they'll have to manage. Got it. Amazing. So uh, uh, I'll now move to the parts where I talk about uh, magic bricks per se, right? Because there's a lot to cover there as well, Prasun. So mm-hmm. the first question is obviously, what is a typical day in the life of, you know, a CMO at magic bricks? Uh, talk to me about, you know, from the time you wake up till the time you go back to sleep, how does your day look like? What do you do? You know, what are your team meetings? Uh, who do you fight with? What other departments within magic bricks do you talk to? For example, do you talk to the dev team? Do you talk to the, you know, sales team? So, talk to me about a typical day at Magic Bricks for a CM. Sure. See, uh, internet business has uh, very different demands, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, internet is a business is in perpetual acquisition mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the first thing and the last thing that you worry about is consumer acquisition for the day. Okay. Uh, and uh, this is true for all internet businesses, almost. Okay. And Magic Bricks is no different. So my day starts, uh, you know, early morning and uh, after uh, a bit of uh, uh, freshening up and, uh, you know, uh, exercising a bit, uh, mm-hmm. it's all about, uh, you know, uh, getting ready for uh, uh, work. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in pre-COVID days, it was all about getting ready to go to office. Uh, uh-huh. Right now, it's all about getting ready to, you know, get into your home office and sit in front of your laptop. Uh, so, unless, unless, unless you are mandated at home to, you know, do the kitchen and, you know, I'm not covering that part right now because that, that uh, really include the uh, professional yeah, yeah. services that I provide otherwise. But uh, that's part of everyone's life right now. Yeah. Uh, so you do get ready for that, and uh, we have a, a team hustle that happens uh, uh, over uh, uh, video call uh, at uh, 9:30 in the morning, wow. and uh, we spend about uh, 45 minutes, uh, uh, you know, to an hour uh, discussing about. Uh, uh, the challenges on in, in front of us on the table uh, yeah. and what are the things that are line, uh, lined up for, uh, for that particular day and yeah. how is one, one uh, going to go about it if there are any challenges that need to be mitigated uh, for that day uh, what what does one do uh, work on that and so on and so forth and uh, we kind of you know sitting in our own homes uh, all my team members uh, you know we all uh, motivate each other and uh, we start our day uh, in that fashion 
and then it is about uh, you know uh, uh, senior level leadership uh, management reviews uh, mm-hmm. happen uh, where we look at the business uh, you know uh, uh, from the very top and uh, look at uh, you know how to uh, you know build or rebuild business and and what aspect to look at uh, and 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 where to intervene and what needs to be done mm-hmm. and then it's all about uh, you know individual uh, you know projects and uh, you know sub functions uh, whenever yeah. there are requirements there is a, a video hustle that immediately happens or through whatsapp or through phone uh, whichever you know uh, means of communication one uses using at any point of mm-hmm. time so whole of the day uh, gets structured in various uh, 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 kinds of meetings meetings for different projects meetings for uh, uh, within the team uh, you know for different sets of uh, uh, challenges or different sets of uh, you know work that people are working on Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and uh, you know uh, and and almost uh, you know the entire day uh, kind of uh, passes uh, in this fashion mm-hmm. and uh, we again have a evening hustle uh, for about half an hour uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the evening hustle at about 6 o'clock uh, we all come together but we do not discuss business okay in the hustle we only uh, discuss uh, you know the fun aspects Uh, of life uh, we discuss things in general what's happening with covid you know uh, what's happening with the lockdown and and what's going to happen who's doing what and so on and so forth so we we kind of tend to uh, uh, discuss trivialities and relax each other uh, mm-hmm. after a hectic day and uh, you know uh, prepare ourselves for catching up again uh, uh, next day uh, during the day also one of the important aspects of the day is to go through various uh, mises Uh, you know it's very very important to keep a track of progress uh, okay. uh, you know and and in during these times especially when you are unable to meet uh, you know people one to one so it's very important to have uh, strong mises in place so that you have a, a clear view of what's happening on a project or in a business mm-hmm. and that also occupies a lot of time uh, you know as marketing remains at the center of uh, the business so we almost uh, align with all teams uh, you know including product uh you know technology or sales uh you know if 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 there is a requirement for support functions to be uh you know uh, aligned with which includes hr or finance and so on and so forth mm-hmm. uh, so we almost on a daily basis align with all these teams uh mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and because uh, you know uh, we work uh, we have a very startup culture and a very mm-hmm. startup uh, 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 you know value system and mm-hmm. so uh, we work uh, you know on a very project project basis so there are a lot of projects that go around in the company and each mm-hmm. project has uh, cross functional teams uh, so mm-hmm. you interact with lots of teams uh, you know over during the day uh, for different mm-hmm. projects and that's how uh, you know the day goes by amazing so uh, now that we have jumped onto covid directly i want to i want to talk quickly and understand the recent campaign that you've done right i mean ghar baith ke ghar dekha and and ghar pe ghar pe rehkar ghar dekha so just tell me how did that campaign came about and especially in the time when you know you can't shoot a film when you can't talk to people when you can't do a lot of things how did this campaign come about what were the thought process and how did you execute it sure there's this this is this is extremely you know uh, exciting to share see uh, 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 the the challenges of lockdown and covid mm-hmm. and the resultant business challenges that everyone is going through mm-hmm. uh makes it imperative uh, for uh, uh, brands to uh, really rethink their strategy okay yeah and uh, uh, we are obviously uh, not untouched by it and yeah. uh, you know uh, we also uh, have to or have had to uh, rethink a whole lot of initiatives or a whole lot of ways of doing things 
So I'm, I would say that uh, this crisis has uh, forced all of us as professionals mm-hmm. to reset a lot of buttons mm-hmm. and uh, to reimagine a lot of things. You know, okay. the way of working, uh, which otherwise would have been a standard operating procedure and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a certain way of, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing a thing. Now, mm-hmm. everything is up for review and mm-hmm. everything has to be looked at because you're forced to relook at it. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, while it's a challenge, there are a lot of hidden opportunities there. And, uh, you know, if you really, uh, uh, you know, come to think of it and, and, and if you really are very, very solutions oriented, uh, you would, uh, you know, while the problems are there, but you would not end up just, you know, kind of getting bogged down by the problem or keep cribbing about the problem, but you would try to find a solution. Okay. And, and that's always been our approach. And uh, that's, that's one part of the, uh, of the story. The second part of the story is that uh, uh, Magic Mix is the leading brand in the category. And therefore, in lot many ways, uh, 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 it is our responsibility okay. to also uh, build the category. Yeah, and yeah. Brand, right, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's 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 a kind of a responsibility to take the lead in the category, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, and do a lot of things which are uh, you know kind of first in the category, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's also uh, a mindset that uh, we as marketing team work with within in, in Magic. Uh, and so that was the second part of the story. Now uh, the third part of the story is looking at uh, you know the first two things. You know, it was imperative that we did not want to sit idle, okay, and, yeah. and let the crisis play out the way it plays out, okay. Yeah. Uh, while we know we did a lot of consumer dipsticks, uh, uh, you know, in the period, uh, mm-hmm. forced to sit at our home, we reached out to our consumer base, we asked them what is happening, are you mm-hmm. still in the market, are you still looking at, uh, you know, uh, uh, purchasing a home, uh, yeah. are you postponing your decision, you know, yeah. what is happening, what is it that you're looking for, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that we did is understand the consumer mindset really well. Where does the consumer stand? And, uh, you know, therefore, as a leading brand, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the next obvious step for us was to do, take some meaningful steps. Okay. Okay. And one of the things that we definitely wanted to do was not to sit idle. Okay. okay. Uh, we wanted to take the crisis head on and mm-hmm. we wanted to reach out to consumers uh, mm-hmm. because two thirds of the consumers told us in our research that, listen, we are still in the market. We still want to buy a home. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, COVID may have pushed our decision by three months or six months, but we, we will still be buying homes. Okay. We are not moving out of the category and we are not, you know, uh, canceling our decision. Uh, to mm-hmm. Now that gave us a lot of heart. And, uh, you know, we, we said, okay, fine. If, if consumers are so positive as a brand, we have to be doubly positive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided to therefore reach out to consumers mm-hmm. uh, proactively and, and not really wait for a, a revival signal to happen to us. Or, or, you know, lockdown to get over and get back into offices and businesses, then try to do something and so on and so forth. We said, okay. so what if you are in a lockdown? Mm-hmm. Okay, the job is to, you know, leading brands uh, in difficult times handhold consumers. They show mm-hmm. the way to the consumer, uh, uh, real, uh, uh, the correct way to consumers. And mm-hmm. that's what we should be doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to, uh, you know, uh, do uh, multiple brand interventions. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the challenge that in front of us, obviously, was that we did not have a production budget to say so, right? Yeah. Because of the crisis, uh, you know, everything was reset. We were working from, uh, you know, on a zero-based budgeting. And uh, so we said, okay, fine, if we don't have money, what do we do, right? And uh, uh, we were ideating. And then, you know, one fine day, uh, 
you know, we just were sharing our experiences. As I told you, every day in the evening, we share our experiences. And we were just sharing our experiences. It just came about that, listen, sitting at home, we all are able to now observe our home very, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of upfront and, and uh, uh, deeply. Yeah. We all are feeling that, listen, I mean, you know, you also have to work from home. Your your children, if you have children, your children have to do their schooling from home. You know, there are e-classes e happening and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of uh, pressure on this small space. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. and, and the home was not really designed for all these activities. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, you have to really retune your home at this point of time to make one corner of your home become an office for you. To make the other corner of home become a schooling, uh, you know, a place for your kid, uh, where the kid can, you know, get into e-learning and so on and so forth. Yeah. And all all these things require, you know, separate spaces. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have your regular things at home. Some of us have parents at home. Some of us us have, you know, larger families and so on and so forth. And so it's rather difficult, uh, you know, to manage a lot of these things sitting at home. Uh, yeah. And so all of us have felt that listen, oh, I wish I had that one extra room. That I couldn't have converted, or I wish I had a bigger balcony. You know, yeah. I could have exercised, and you know, I could have you know taken my daily dose of uh, oxygen there. You know, yeah. I, I wish I had a you know a, a, a third room uh, where you know uh, uh, something uh, or a larger kitchen, for example, uh, because there's a lot of pressure on kitchens right now. You know, everyone sitting at home, the demand for food and the demand for you know, kitchen to be open is almost perpetual right now, all 24-7 times, uh, which was not the case, right? Uh, you know, uh, people used to go out, kids to school, uh, people to offices, and kitchen used to relax for some time, okay? Yeah. And then kitchen cannot relax in a way, right? So all of us have gone through that experience and are thinking these things, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we said, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, this is something which which is a consumer truth, and mm -hmm. it, it is an experience that everyone is going through in life right now. Yeah. If we, as a uh, you know internet brand or a or a or a property brand, has to intervene, mm -hmm. how beautiful this story could be, you know? Yeah. And this is extremely contextual. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something everyone can relate with. Mm -hmm. This is something that brand can take on as a narrative uh, mm -hmm. to reassure consumers that listen, there are good days which are going to come. Okay. And as and when you are ready, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we as Magic Bricks are there to help you find that perfect home that you'll be looking at in future. Okay. And that was the genesis of this. And with, with this idea, we went forward. With this insight, we went forward. The next challenge, obviously, was to uh, give it a shape and produce it uh, mm -hmm. with, with no production budget. Yeah. The thing that, obviously, one had to look at was to crowdsource it somehow. Yeah. So we reached out to our partners, uh, mm -hmm. our creative agencies, our, our digital agencies, our, our other partners, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, production houses and you know uh, people that you have been working with over a period of time. Yeah. Said, listen, this is this is this is an idea we have, but we mm -hmm. don't have money. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. But we do think this is a very very good intervention in consumer space to be done right now. We'll be kind enough to uh, contribute to it on a voluntary basis. Okay. And I'm I'm glad to uh, you know uh, share that all partners mm -hmm. without blinking their eyelids. Mm -hmm. say, yes, we will do it. Okay. And yes, we will do it. Okay. I think that's the power of an idea, right? If the idea is, is such a strong uh, proposition, then everybody wants to be on that, you know, take that ride along, right? Absolutely. It was part of the idea and everyone wanted to contribute to this. Mm -hmm. And that's how it happened. So it, we crowdsourced it. Uh, you know, the, the images that you see in that film, mm -hmm. they have been crowdsourced from about 15 different places, okay, including US and Dubai. Mm -hmm. Okay, And this is all friends and family uh, and relative of our employees or our partners and their employees and so on and so forth. Okay, so all of us have reached out to all our network 
and said, mm-hmm. can you just capture yourself a candid moment uh, of your day in life, uh, you know, a day of your life in today, a time in your home, yeah. send it to us. Got it. Multiple entries, we selected, uh, you know, a few that uh, we thought were appropriate for the narrative. Uh, yeah. It was a powerful narrative written uh, by our, uh, you know, uh, our, one of our copywriters in our mm-hmm. agency. Uh, you know, the, the voiceover that you hear there uh, mm-hmm. was contributed uh, by uh, one of the partners that we, uh, you know, regularly work with. And he mm-hmm. provided regular voiceover services to us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, the video editing, etc. was done all sitting at home. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. our, you know, production house that we have over a period of time worked with. And so everyone sat sitting at their home, uh, kind of mm-hmm. contributed to it. Technology was of great help uh, in yeah. everything together. And so you have the film in your hand. Got this. Amazing. So the other thing, uh, continue with the question, right? The, this, this, this brings me to two questions. I do not know which one do we want to take first, but I want to, un- I want answers to do both. So one is, uh, if I if I was doing the research on uh, Magic Bricks per se, right, Kasun, and yeah. I realized that, you know, uh, piece after piece after piece that comes from Magic Bricks is uh, innovative, if I can use the word innovative in communication and marketing. As yeah. Everything you do seems to be a new or an industry first per se. Yes. So I want to understand that, you know, what is the process behind it? Like, I understand that, you know, your team does huddles and they throw ideas at each other and, and you try to look at inspiration but is there a process is there a method to the madness with which you keep creating these innovations over and over again so that's first question yeah and uh, second question is you know uh, i really want to know about something that failed for you guys right i mean i don't see a uh, i mean i was doing a research and i could not find a, a, a you know a, a, a failure from magic bricks team i mean there has to be a you know you can't be gods right you have to make mistakes so yeah. Yes. No. So, yeah. Had failures. Yes, of course. Uh, so whatever you take up, whichever yeah, you want. I'll I'll take the failure first, right? Because I'm quite proud of all the failures that I have had. <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, I'll give an uh, you know uh, a very very interesting stuff that we are doing which failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, about three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we decided to uh, uh, get into an offline mode, right? Okay. Now we are an online brand. Yeah. We decided to get into offline mode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, we were looking at consumers very, very closely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we saw that one of the pain points that consumers had in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, in this category, was when you are looking for a home or a property, you have to do a lot of site visits. Okay. Mm-hmm. Run from one, you know, uh, project to another project to another project and you are looking at sample flats or you're looking at other stuff. You know, this is an essential part uh, yeah. of your home buying process or a yeah. buying process. Okay. And often you have to devote, devote your weekends uh, because, you know, during weekdays you will not get time. So often you are devoting all your Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, visiting different, different places, you know, if you are a serious buyer and, and, and trying to take a decision. Mm-hmm. We thought why, you know, can we use technology to mm-hmm. ease it out a bit for our consumers, to make it easier for them, okay? Uh, so that they do not have to do so much of running around, okay? Uh, and and so we said, why don't we launch uh, a concept called Magic Bits Experience Centers? Okay. And uh, these experience centers would uh, use innovative technology, futuristic technology, like virtual reality, uh, augmented reality, uh, yeah. and hologram projections, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. It will give a consumer a chance to experience a project without yeah. visiting the project. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so it will give consumers a chance to uh, really shortlist, shorten the list, uh, and, and do a side visit only when they are very, very sure that this is what they were looking for. Uh, and not do blind side visits. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we thought we had hit upon a very good problem statement there. 
and a very good solution for that problem state. Mm-hmm. We also analyze this entire idea from the customer side, the person, you know, our, our, our uh, people who are going to pay for this idea. Mm-hmm. And we said, we reached out to developers. And we okay. said, listen, uh, you know, uh, uh, you as a developer are completely dependent on the footfalls that are coming on your site, okay, uh, on that site visit. And you're trying to convert a certain percentage of that footfall into actual sales for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. But a footfall can only be limited, okay? Yeah. And therefore, yeah. your funnel is very small there. And especially if the project is at a little distance, then who to go to, yeah. you know, if I were to buy a property 100 kilometers from, you know, where I live, I'd probably not go. Correct. And mm-hmm. so we said that, listen, you can just increase the top end of the funnel mm-hmm. and, and get so many more people to experience your project. Mm-hmm. You just use technology, okay? Mm-hmm. And not force them to come to your site. Okay. And so we are opening this magic with experience centers. Mm-hmm. Why don't you invest, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, uh, making those uh, virtual reality tours or those uh, you know, AR, uh, stuff for your project. Mm-hmm. And we will put it up there. Got this. You know, you reach out to many more consumers. Okay. Those, who are, you are, those uh, you know, uh, in, in whose consideration set you are not even part of, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. we thought that we had, we had foolproof this idea. Okay, uh-huh. and so with a lot of these things, we launched uh, these uh, experience centers, mm-hmm. and we launched this in high footfall areas. So we launched launched this at airports, we launched this at uh, malls, uh, you know, and and multiplexes, and high footfall. I think soon these are uh, expensive. <laughs> they are really expensive. These are expensive ideas, yes, and and uh, that that was one of the reasons why it didn't work out. And eventually, mm-hmm. now uh, you know, so we we said we have to get into a captured, uh, you know, captive environment. Uh, the consumers are already there because you cannot make a consumer come to an experience center to experience a project. A consumer would do that if he has free time in his hand and if the technology is in front of him. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the objective was to take the technology to the consumer rather than making consumer come to the technology. And so we opened this in these uh, high footfall areas. Uh, mm-hmm. We said that, listen, if you are in airport and if you are just killing time, you have 30 minutes to board or one hour to board yet. You could just walk into experience center and experience all of this. Okay. Got uh, or you are in a mall and, you know, I mean, typically uh, the, the male audiences, which is the, which is the largest set of audiences in real estate, you know, I mean, you are not very interested in shopping and, and window shopping. And so, you know, you, you are looking for avenues to pass your time. Uh, whereas other members of your family or your better half is engaged in, uh, you know, shopping or window shopping per se. And plus, I think soon at these uh, at these high footfall areas, anyways, your the TG that a builder wants to reach out to uh, is the right TG for them, right? I mean, somebody goes to the airport, absolutely has enough money to sort of you know. Absolutely, and we selected uh, these uh, uh, real estate uh, very very carefully, mm-hmm. and and so we said you know this is a very good proposition. And let's just launch it. And so we launched it. And, uh, you know, initially we got uh, some, you know, uh, very good uh, responses because there was a novelty factor. There was a curiosity yeah. around what is this experience center all about. And there was a lot of technology, gizmo and, and zingbang inside it. So people were very curious to come and experience and, and virtual reality, you know, is something that not too many Indians have experienced per se. And and mm-hmm. so you know, to sit down and, and do uh, put up that VR headset and, and you know, do that VR tour, etc. is a no, novel experience. You know, and so uh, initially the response was very good, uh, but then it tapered off. And we we figured out that it was not really adding a value to the consumer. Okay. Uh, told us later that, listen, I mean, it was very good experience uh, to to see these projects and so on and so forth. So it's not that it was not useful, but it did not eliminate my need to do a site visit. Investing a crore of rupees, I would still want to be doubly sure and I would still Mm -hmm. want to do that site visit. Got so, it. I'd visit might appear a pain to you. For me, it's a necessity. 
Got that. I would not be doing it, right? So that's the reason why we failed. And and so so that was the experience, uh, you know, of for failure at Magic Mix. But very, very proud of that failure because the product that we had created was kick-ass. Got it. Uh, and and we do believe that with enough tinkering and in future with a different proposition, we are you know able to bring that product back. Got it. Now. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to ask a question. I'm so sorry. I've been like trying to interrupt you for last. Not a question. So, so tell me, uh, is it because technology was very new? Because VR was still expensive and clunky about three years ago. Now, obviously, we are come to a point. We have come to a point when VR is far, far, uh, you know, uh, immersive. Uh, is it because you were ahead of the time? Or is it uh, generally customers said that they still want to go and visit the house like you said it's a necessity well uh, see uh, one thing i have learned in life is there's nothing called being ahead of time okay if okay. you are solving a real problem mm-hmm. uh, for a real consumer mm-hmm. and you are providing a real solution to a consumer mm-hmm. you will have that consumer Got it. it doesn't matter whether your technology is futuristic or off or, or backdated okay Got uh, uh, you know uh, the i think we failed because we were not solving a real problem i think we had hit upon a wrong problem Got it. super uh, so, so uh, the first question that you had asked, uh, Saurabh, was about innovations, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, another thing, I, you know, we we take pride at Magic Bix is, uh, uh, you know, in as is for our innovation and our innovative DNA. Mm-hmm. We are always perpetually encouraged to innovate and fail. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, the Experience Center ex- example that I shared with you was also an, an example of innovation, and we innovated and we failed. But there are many innovations where we have succeeded. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, and and we do keep do uh, doing these innovations and and uh, you know uh, new things in uh, in our scheme of things. Now, where does it happen? You asked me, is there a method to this uh, madness? Yeah, yeah. Yes, there is a method. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Magic Picks, uh, I had launched uh, you know a marketing philosophy uh, mm-hmm. about four years ago when I had joined, uh, mm-hmm. what I call as heartbeat marketing. Okay, and uh, heartbeat marketing is uh, nothing uh, but. Uh, uh, Looking at uh, uh, you know a uh, 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 sharp consumer problem, mm-hmm. uh, uh, providing a, a, a real uh, solution to a consumer. Okay. Uh, narrating in a very warm uh, storytelling manner, mm-hmm. and use a lot of data science uh, okay. to get your uh, narrative right. Okay. Okay. Now uh, we follow this method uh, mm-hmm. whenever uh, you know uh, we are ideating. Uh, we always look at whether we are trying to solve a real consumer problem, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether we have a, you know, exciting and foolproof solution in our hand. That's the first part of it. Mm-hmm. The second part of it is to, if, if, uh, then we look at, uh, a lot of data, uh, a lot of insights coming out of data and we try to, uh, uh idiot proof and foolproof our, uh, uh, concepts using data. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes it's secondary data. Sometimes it's uh, you know conducting consumer research to collect primary data and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And because we are a platform uh, mm-hmm. and a very popular app, uh, we as it is capture uh, consumer behavior through zillions of data points every day. Absolutely. So uh, we we sit on a huge pile of data, and uh, you know we have a very strong data analytics team, uh, which shares or validates or revalidates a lot of hypotheses that we have. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the final leg, which is converting the proposition into a warm, uh, you know, uh, 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 storytelling uh, narrative. Okay. okay. Uh, and there, uh, you know, a lot of brand elements come into play, uh, which is, uh, you know, to really uh, have that consumer truth, to really have that, uh, uh, you know, uh, empathy, enough amount of empathy for consumer in your narrative, uh, 
uh, have that uh, emotive uh, angle in the narrative and to have an execution uh, which really uh, touches your heart uh, so if you have seen if you if you analyze our communication historically if mm-hmm. we are campaigns our campaigns uh, have always told a warm narrative to consumer mm-hmm. have never been very product uh, you know first kind of uh, communication company okay mm-hmm. never said listen you know come to my site and do this and you can sell your property and you can buy your property and and, and of course that's that's part of the narrative right uh, but our story is not about that our story is always about a consumer trope it's always about you and me it's all it, it, it will appear to you as if it's your story okay mm-hmm. uh, just before this particular film that we had just discussed about a little while ago uh, that yeah. during covid we had launched uh, uh, now a mud, much award winning campaign kind of our setting of the story mm-hmm. uh, our stories are set in a, inside a home or around a home but the stories are very real they are very warm they are the stories that you would relate to right mm-hmm. and, and that is that is how over a period of time we have become uh, you know uh, uh, a very very relatable brand and and we we get a lot of preference you know uh, uh, you know as a brand uh, when it comes to you know uh, you know uh, Uh, brand tracks and couple of other uh, consumer yeah. facts that we capture yeah. uh, so uh, you know uh, there is obviously a method uh, to this entire thing that we do it's it's extremely structured it goes through its own steps and processes mm-hmm. uh, but the method is developed to ensure that uh, uh, the final product that we have in our hand is something that uh, uh, you know stays true to that concept of heartbeat market i got this amazing super so so next question it's a tough question a lot of other guests tend to fumble at it mm-hmm. imagine imagine i told you that you know this is going to be your last week at uh, magic bricks mm-hmm. and you have been tasked by you know the the management to find a replacement for you mm-hmm. and you need to find i mean you can find somebody from your team or you can look at somebody outside mm-hmm. uh, the question essentially is that you know what kind of questions would you ask that person what qualities would you look at in him or her and what kind of uh, you know uh, what what would what would make you decide on a certain person to replace you at magic okay um i, I would try not to fumble <laughs> uh, so the first quality i would look at in the person is uh, whether the person is an ideas person okay uh, in our business it's very important to constantly ideate uh, solutions for a consumer Mm-hmm. and uh, constantly ideate and improve our uh, e- the experiences of consumers on our mm-hmm. platforms be it on our website or on our app etc and so on and so forth mm-hmm. first of all you have to be an ideas person uh, mm-hmm. and and that's a very rare uh, you know uh, quality uh, mm-hmm. the second thing is you have to have a flair for technology okay uh, you know we are a technology brand and we are a technology business and every solution that we provide is through using technology in mm-hmm. one way or the other okay and so uh, you have to have a flair for technology uh, and and uh, you know you should be comfortable with technology that's the okay. second thing i would uh, you know kind of look uh, the third thing i would look at is uh, 
your ability to manage complexities okay uh, you know the business that we are in is extremely complex to the extent uh, you know uh, that uh, uh, you know as a marketer you are always uh, you know uh, taking care of two different kinds of consumers for you mm-hmm. and and that it sounds uh, you know uh, very oxymoronish but you know what happens is uh, you are trying to stay to true as a brand uh, to your end consumer the mm-hmm. person who is looking for a home you know mm-hmm. either for renting or for buying or whatever okay mm-hmm. but your source of revenue mm-hmm. source of income is your customer who is either a developer or a broker or an individual who is willing to sell his home or uh, you know put a landlord who is willing to put his home on rent okay mm-hmm. now these two have very very different need states okay mm-hmm. they their needs are very different and uh, their approach is very okay mm-hmm. now this is a complex enough problem to solve because uh, you are not you are not at liberty you don't have endless resources uh, to be at liberty of uh, targeting consumers and customers and doing multiple campaigns and and all those kind of things right now every time you are giving a marketing input uh, it needs to pass through the filter of you know kind of uh, 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 talking to both these sets of consumers that's okay. that one part of complexity now the other complexity is most of our solutions are very cross function solutions right mm-hmm. not about marketing working in isolation and developing something and launching something even a campaign for that matter okay mm-hmm. uh it we need to constantly work with a product uh, we need to constantly work with technology teams we need to constantly uh, work with our operations team our sales teams and so on and so forth uh really mm-hmm. uh, uh you know uh, present one solution uh, uh, to a consumer however small it may be okay okay uh because even if there is a marketing campaign which can remain in pure marketing domain that campaign has to be integrated on our platform uh which is where a product and tech team would come into picture okay the campaign has to be taken forward in our apps as well okay because you would not want a consumer experience to break uh you know from an offline communication to an online experience okay uh you know your you your campaign has to uh you know uh, uh work for uh, you know your your partners who are your uh, uh, customers who are who are, who are paying you okay so there is a a bit of a sales input that is always uh, you know involved in everything that you do okay mm-hmm. and and uh, so you know the every single activity of marketing uh, goes through uh, multiple stakeholders goes through multiple functions and has its own challenges within marketing itself so the ability to manage all this complexity and yet arrive at a solution within deadline within targeted timeline good this uh, is 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 something that uh, is again an ability uh, to uh, to probably catch and learn and mm-hmm. so that's the third thing that i would look at in that person and mm-hmm. of course uh, you know uh, the the last but not the least is uh, uh, is of course the the credentials of the person the kind of work the person has done over a period of time and mm-hmm. you know the the kind of brands businesses consumers solutions challenges failures that uh, the the person has gone through in career uh, i think all these things come into picture so last thing i would look at would be uh, the uh, the credentials of the person what kind of journey the person has gone through uh, in terms of uh, businesses brands what kind of challenges one has had in career what kind of solutions one has worked at uh, mm-hmm. the failures very very importantly and so on and so forth uh mm-hmm. and uh, so these would be uh, probably four things that i would look uh, at uh, look for in my uh, replacement god it's amazing cool so uh, i'm going to just uh, close the conversation with a few questions to end uh, mm-hmm. 
I want to talk to you. I want you to uh, talk about couple of things. When I was reading about you, you are a huge, huge advocate for storytelling, and you also spoke about it when you spoke about this heartbeat marketing piece of yours. So yes. maybe uh, talk to my audience about uh, you know storytelling piece. That is one thing, and there was one more article where it wherein you had said that you know there are three big levers that you look at. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of what consumers, in terms of how to reach to reach to consumers, right? And then you had read, used words like video, vernacular, and voice. Right. Uh, so these are two things that I want you to talk about, and then we'll try to just close the conversation. So you can take take one of the two. I mean, I'm okay if you want to take both, but you can take one of the two also, either storytelling or that three B uh, model. Sure. So uh, so let me take the storytelling one. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Yes, uh, you know uh, you are correct. Uh, I have been a big uh, advocate of uh, storytelling. Uh, you can you can say that the uh, you know uh, it's because uh, you know I started out in advertising, and you know I have a DNA of uh, a storyteller. Therefore, uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, in advertising, all you are thinking of is converting business propositions into stories for consumers. And so uh, probably one learned the trick early there. But then uh, the point remains that that's a fundamental truth, right? And and uh, 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 it's it's not something that uh, is is uh, uh, unique or I'm saying something which uh, uh, probably one doesn't know about. Uh, mm-hmm. Every brand uh, since time uh, immortal has been trying to uh, tell stories to consumers, has been trying to sell stories, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, and uh, you know great brands that you see mm-hmm. around uh, have always been great storytellers, yeah. right? Uh, you know, uh, be it a Coke uh, or uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, say a Tata, uh, if I were to take an Indian example, uh, you know, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you have to uh, take example of, uh, say, uh, 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 a Volkswagen or, uh, you know, uh, a, a Volvo or a BMW, any of the mm-hmm. automotive brands. So if you look across categories, mm-hmm. brands have always been storytellers. Mm-hmm. A BMW never tells you that, listen, you know, uh, my car has... Uh, uh, you know uh, this technology and so much of engine rev power etc that's that's just hygiene mm-hmm. BMW tells you a story of a uh, you know uh, a sports lifestyle right? and 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 uh, uh, you know a mercedes doesn't tell you a story of uh, uh, you know the the technology in the car it mm-hmm. tells you a story of uh, uh, the the finesse and the luxury right? and, and so uh, every brand over a period of time a tata uh, you know whenever it reaches out to you it always tells you a story of trust Mm-hmm. And, and you know uh, why you should be trusting a Tata, okay. okay. and and so on and so forth. So uh, brands uh, uh, inherently are storytellers, okay. Mm-hmm. And marketing uh, uh, per se, uh, marketing's job is to uh, uh, tell relevant stories. Uh, mm-hmm. You know uh, these stories are uh, of course very very different from uh, uh, you know otherwise uh, generic understanding of stories that one may have had. Uh, because mm-hmm. these stories have to be very, very actionable. These stories have to be very, very relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, these stories have to be very, very contextual for a consumer. Only mm-hmm. then a consumer would empathize with your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, storytelling is, a, is an art as much as it is a science. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the art of storytelling is all about uh, able to, uh, your ability to uh, convert hard numbers or, or uh, uh, hard technology or hard product idea into a consumer narrative and and making consumer believe that this is something uh, you know uh, that uh, one identifies with as a story and therefore one would wish to own okay mm-hmm. it, it it needs to work uh, you know uh, at that level 
And, uh, you know, come to think of it, think of a consumer, uh, mm-hmm. you as a consumer and uh, me as a consumer, uh, mm-hmm. when we are investing uh, uh, any single dollar on any particular product, mm-hmm. uh, ultimately somewhere down the line in our subconscious mind, uh, mm-hmm. have uh, uh, heard the story of that product. And mm-hmm. it is the story that we are buying into. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much into product because at, at in lot many categories let's say smartphone mm-hmm. in lot of categories there is absolute parity at a product level Correct. right uh, there's there's nothing that differentiates a smartphone brand a from a smartphone brand b okay. when it comes to features and performances but why do you want to own brand a and not brand b Correct. just because you believe in the story that brand a has told you yeah right? yeah and so storytelling is very important i think every marketeer uh, you know, must learn this art of storytelling. The science part of storytelling is all about, uh, you know, uh, you know, staying true uh, to the to the consumer inside, staying true to you know what data has to tell you, uh, and and not letting your story uh, kind of uh, get out of that uh, uh, certain wavelength in which it has to operate. And uh, you know, data helps you. Data science helps you uh, 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 in in keeping that story well within that uh, wavelength where you want uh, your brand or product to be in. So uh, an interesting, uh, you know, gamut there, which is why marketers are often left brand and right brand both. Yeah, and yeah. and that, that's how you got to take it forward. So, so yeah, and, and uh, uh, that's why storytelling. So last set of questions, Prasoon. Uh, obviously, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis and you yeah. are a business that actually sits bang in the middle of it. Uh, construction uh, activities getting installed, people are not buying houses. Uh, so what what kind of uh, impact do you see you know covid bringing around us as in you know what would change for businesses what would change for brands what kind of things will marketers will have to look at again you've answered quite a few of these already in the in the campaign that we talk, talked about but if hmm. there is anything uh, more specific that you want to chat about we can include those well uh, i would uh, uh, talk about how positively it's going to impact us okay, okay. now it's a crisis all right uh, mm-hmm. But every crisis is an opportunity, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I do see lots of opportunities opening up because of this crisis. The mm-hmm. biggest opportunity in my category, in my industry, that is going to open up is uh, is massive digitization. Okay. You know, real estate has been a brick and mortar industry, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, developer brands have not been, uh, you know, at the forefront of adopting technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, COVID crisis uh, will now uh, fasten the process of. Uh, uh, digitization of the category of the industry and we'll see all players of the ecosystem adopting or adapting to digital very very fast mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, just to give you a small example a developer uh, today consumers are not going to go for uh, site visit for example for fear of uh, covid okay yeah now how do you therefore give consumer a chance to uh, uh, have a look at your property uh, you will mm-hmm. have uh, you know for example solutions uh, involving uh, uh, you know uh, live uh, uh, live casts or uh, you know uh, uh, or a you know uh, live session happening for consumers using various technology platforms right mm-hmm. now uh, uh, all of a sudden uh, we will see a uh, use developers and other uh, players of the ecosystem starting to use a lot of technology so the first benefit and the first major uh, impact of covid uh, mm-hmm. is that the industry is going through uh, an immediate digitization and technology will be adopted uh, at large scale and that's the mm-hmm. positive impact Mm-hmm. The second uh, positive impact that is going to happen because of this is uh, consumers are going to, you know, uh, look at newer value propositions. Okay, now uh, we we will look at birth of new ideas in construction. 
okay and in layouting so for example uh, i we already have few developers who are talking about uh, mm-hmm. a certain uh, uh, you know uh, bandwidth of uh, uh, data uh, yeah. as a standard offering along with a home okay mm-hmm. now this is all keeping in mind that the future home is going to be a connected home okay uh, at any point of time someone will have to work from home at any point of time you know there could be a need for e schooling and there will be demand for bandwidth okay mm-hmm. now i- instead of therefore depending on a service provider uh, and an individual to reach out to a service provider and take uh, you know services uh, mm-hmm. you will see probably these kind of propositions getting into construction itself and this will be the standard feature of uh, you know a, a home on offer okay mm-hmm. uh, so there'll be lots of new i mean there could be a, a proposition where someone might want to build a uh you know uh, uh, a co-working space inside mm-hmm. a it apartment complex a gated complex okay uh, instead of building a uh, say a clubhouse okay why because a lot of people are going to work from home and you know all all the time it's not comfortable working from home for a lot of people you would just, might just want to uh, you know pop into the co-working space within your own society complex hire a place hire a seat for 5 4 5 hours and go and work there and peacefully and come back okay so there are a lot of new propositions that will come out in the market and mm-hmm. it will be uh, you know very very exciting uh, for consumers uh, and uh, you know uh, last but not the least uh, you know uh, the the positive change would be uh, that uh, you will see uh, you know uh, real consumers mm-hmm. okay uh, you know uh, coming into the market and uh, a lot of speculative uh, investments that used to happen in real estate mm-hmm. uh, those speculative speculative investments would go out uh, the process already started the demonetization and i think covid uh, uh, is uh, just going to complete that process uh, you know, a lot of speculative investment in real estate which was going to which which used to fare up real estate prices uh, mm-hmm. is going to go out of the market and it will become a real end end user market and that will work very well for the industry so i see a lot of positivity and a lot of positives coming out of this crisis and uh, you know uh, we as a brand would uh, uh, you know uh, obviously work on a lot of these things got it so last Three questions, very very short questions. A, mm-hmm. uh, what is that one question that you always wished you were asked in an interview? Like nobody has asked that question, but you want to answer that question. <laughs> uh, have you ever won an award? <laughs> what is the answer, sir? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is one. Second is, uh, you know, what are some unconventional ways to get inspired about marketing? Like one of the guests says that he watches a lot of movies and takes inspiration from those. What are some unconventional ways you can, you know? learn marketing oh i i love to learn uh, marketing by looking at data uh-huh. you know uh, the, those endless sheets of excel uh, mm-hmm. you know are are my playground and okay. i get my lot of my ideas by just looking at how data is uh, trending got this super uh, and the last question that i have as part of my uh, research is that you know if i told you that prasoon you need to throw open a marketing challenge to the listeners of the podcast and this could be a personal uh, beef that you have with the world or it could be a magic bricks related challenge what would that be uh well this is a one that requires a bit of thinking so uh, i think one of the challenges that i would want to give to anyone who's getting uh, who's going to uh, probably work on anything of magic bricks mm-hmm. to uh, work on uh, propositions to uh, uh, make consumers become aware or or make consumers uh, invest in uh, uh, in uh, uh, emerging real estate opportunities uh, mm-hmm. which are uh, uh, which is what we call fractional ownership 
okay mm-hmm. uh, it's a new concept emerging in real estate where you do not own the entire real estate but you only own a part of it as if you uh, the way you own it in a share market yeah yeah uh, and fractional ownership as a concept is something that i would want anyone to take up as a challenge and see mm-hmm. the consumers uh, you know primarily because the problem statement is that if you are saying that listen i am a, uh, you can you have a chance to invest in a upcoming mall or, mm-hmm. or a marketplace or a large building okay uh, without owning a real estate piece of real estate in that okay mm-hmm. uh, you know how would a consumer be able to understand investing in real estate without owning a piece of real estate and mm-hmm. I, i think that's a good problem to solve uh, and that's that's one of the challenge i would want you just heard prasun kumar from magicbricks.com i hope you had as much fun listening to the conversation as much as we had recording it please write in to us and tell us what can we do better at the marketing connect podcast you just heard the latest episode of the marketing connect podcast a show for marketers by marketers the show was brought to you by c4e and the podium